Hi, I'm your host, Nyana B, and this is the Curious Bodhi Podcast. Every week, we will explore the pure wisdom of subjects on Buddhist and Hindu culture, the nature of awareness and consciousness, the therapeutic usage of psychedelic medicines and plants, and the overarching links between these to real-life social issues affecting our world and each other today, right now. This is my introduction episode. Take it as baby food for your soul before we get really into it. So let's begin. What does it mean to be human? What makes us both unique individuals and what is the fundamental principle uniting all of us? What makes us happy and leads to the most fulfilling life for everybody? On the other hand, what are we trying to avoid and what makes us anxious? If you want to explore these questions and your own experience while learning about others and their perspectives too, then follow me and open the gate into a world we can learn in together. We are all seekers. We may not think of ourselves in this way or even be conscious of this fact, but we're all after something in our day-to-day lives. We reach inwards and feel things through our emotions and intellects, or mind, and then consequently reach out and grab at and interpret our surroundings and environment. If it's too hot, we'll take off a jacket. Too cold? We'll complain and put on a jumper, especially if we're living in England. So every day we react emotionally at work to our colleagues and clients and friends even, and we judge a whole heap of people and events as either good or bad. We even judge ourselves to a degree that polarizes everything and we go through this on a daily basis. It takes some subtlety to notice, but it's definitely there. But ultimately, what we are seekers of is just balance in our lives. The yin and the yang. We want to work hard so we can rest. We're trying to catch a break, that sweet spot where everything within us and outside of us is just right. Temperate, moderate, or even sublime and alive. This yearning is ingrained and inbuilt into us. Human beings in our societies all over the world are like being on a sliding scale to reach this balance. If we look at this metaphorically, we can look at the bottom end of the scale as say the bottom end of a stick. And those are the people who notice to a high degree what's going on inside of them. At the high end of the stick on the top are people who are reaching outwards mostly at what's going on outside and how to change their environment. But everybody, we fall somewhere in between this line on the stick. Uh, The people at the extremes of outward seeking at the top 
look to change the environment and circumstances through materiality. This would be the type of person that wants abundance through fame, pampering through social media or praise in society, uh, lots of luxurious surroundings and things, toys, and even more and more pleasurable experience to keep them occupied. Somewhere below that, though, luckily, is where I see most of us are. We wish somehow to be fulfilled through the type of work that we do in the world. That can be anything from being a mother or father to constructing buildings and laying bricks, you know, doing real muddy, dirty work, to being a banker or making art, maybe even working in a museum, or just dedicating one's life to social care, other people, or owning a few businesses. And then we want to balance this with enough free time to just enjoy it with our families and friends and have a few hobbies on the side and hopefully not make too much trouble. Strangely enough, tradition and culture also falls into this category, but we don't think about that enough. But it's, it's, it's heavily so. If we look at an, ex an example of somebody, say just an imaginary person, a 20-year-old girl now a woman who's grown up in China, like urban China. Say she's from Beijing. She escapes the rural countryside and finds fulfilling work in the city, in Beijing. She most likely has a set of values unique to her culture, carried with her from her uh, familiar country living to city dwelling. For example, she leaves the farm her family has had for generations in her family to send money back to the aging parents that she now cares for, as is expected of her. Even if she doesn't necessarily like or dream of doing it, she does it because it's ingrained from her culture. Everybody else does it too, so it makes it acceptable to her. She's been handed a set of Buddhist values and rituals. And you can see her at the temple burning long, huge sticks of incense, uh, praying to Buddha, a statue of Buddha. And maybe she does some ancestor worship, like making offerings in their names, cooking with specific meats, for example, or burning joss paper. Joss paper is like a little paper with symbols or um, some kind of calligraphy and some even resembles real money and they burn it um, to honor uh, the dead in their families wishing them well in the afterlife so that's a common ritual this woman will also eat what her family has grown up eating and just what's available in the restaurants around her uh, rice will be a main staple food she celebrates the Chinese New Year in the Great Mid-Autumn Festival, which is pretty unfamiliar to most Westerners, but it's really popular in China. And she eats these little round cakes called moon cakes. They have a little stamp on them. And she may identify herself with the year of the rabbit in her astrological chart. We can contrast this then with a 20-something American male who carries the values and traditions from his family. As being American myself, I can highly attest to this. 
This young man, by 16, will probably have been taught a couple sports like baseball and football. He's learned to cut the grass or mow the lawn, as they say, outside his parents' home. And he's most likely taken a job at least washing dishes or working in food service at the local diner or fast food restaurant. He celebrates Independence Day or the 4th of July, and fireworks are a big deal for him. In terms of his family, he probably thinks he's owed way more than he owes his parents, constantly asking for things and making video games and hanging out with his friends a top priority. And to make up for that, they force him to go to a Christian church every Sunday. The family will sit down together every night for dinner, like a ritual, and it consists of meat dishes like hot dogs and hamburgers or spaghetti if you watch enough American TV. At some point, these people, just as examples, or us, either learn what works in our traditions and we keep them intact, or we're willing to throw them into the dust and never look back or pick them up again. The struggle to remain in one's culture and keep up the expectations, although we don't necessarily agree with those expectations and actions and functions of our societies, is very real for all of us and something we will look at more deeply in future episodes. Going back, though, to the analogy of the stick, we have to look further down at the very bottom where most people start turning inwards for answers rather than looking outwards for answers and fulfillment. This usually starts by questioning and tearing apart supposed systems and ways of thinking and feeling that we're used to understanding. It also involves a very subtle process of looking into one's physical and mental identity, which meditation also takes a look at. We want to know what's really going on here, behind the habits, beliefs, and small person view of the world. This is where lots of Buddhists are, where lots of Hindus are, and people who take looking inwards like meditation and yoga and uh, such practices seriously, not just for the appearances of them in popular culture, but they take them seriously and they practice them for the sake of their own sanity and fulfillment. We, at the bottom, want to know what's really going on. And it feels like a journey because it happens within time. But the purpose is really to understand reality or things as they are without filters. The subjective filters that run from the bottom of the stick to the top. You know, it can be described as people finding themselves or discovering the truth or knowing reality. It's also called non-duality, if you want to look that up. So it seems there's many seekers and infinite roads on this sliding scale, but some are just quicker than others. At the bottom end of the stick, even though it still takes time, it's going to be quicker than reaching outwards for material things which are highly disposable to reach the truth and understand reality without all the changes that it entails. And this is something we'll also look at in future episodes on impermanence, change, etc. in Buddhism. So, being a person living and breathing in London, I'm thrown into the chaos of busy city life daily. This really isn't an exaggeration. 
it's hard to see people smiling at each other in the streets nowadays. Everybody's looking down at their phone or they seem busy and they are. They are busy. Um, that's just the city life. There's many beautiful things about living in the city. But one thing that I've really noticed is how um, reactive and how identified most of us are with our routines because it's a matter of survival. We need enough money to pay our rent and all the other crazy expenses. They take the center stage away from the real search for truth. Um, and that's nobody's fault, really. It's just happening. But with all this technology ruling our minds, we'll just use our devices all day long. And many do this as a reflex to get something out of them. We really want to get something. We want the news. We want to know. We want information. We want to know if we're doing better or worse than somebody. You know, there's all of these emotional aspects that go along with it. And I think that this technology obsession is really a substitute for security. And it's still in a material object, this false sense of security. Phones and tablets and, and all these things that also advertise. And they put notions into our head about things that we should want or that we don't have. And most of us are content to just go through this cycle every day, every day, every day, every day. But some of us want more than that. And that's where spirituality can change your life by changing your mind in a very realistic and down-to-earth way. We want wisdom, but not throwaway knowledge. Speaking of spirituality, the word might turn some people off because we can imagine New Age concepts connected with this term, some woo-woo stuff. For example, when people are heavily into astrology and they look up their birth chart all the time, or they go to a yoga class, but it has to be 102 degrees, and New Age spiritual shops, candles, incense... You know, you don't have to be into that to be spiritual. The root word of spirituality is spirit. And it's something that everybody has. Saying I'm spiritual is almost as blasphemous as saying I'm religious. There's this really funny guy on YouTube, by the way. His channel is called Awaken with JP. You have to watch it. He mixes anti-glutenism <laughs> with... New Age spirituality, and it's, it's hilarious. You just have to see it. Awaken with JP. In actuality, the root of spirituality is spirit. To be human is to have a spirit or life force. It's actually really basic because everybody has it, but nobody had to ask for it. It's an animating force, and it runs through every sentient being with a body, including animals that we can think of. I know this because, I know this is a dirty word too, but I've been vegan, I've been plant-based for over 10 years now, and I did it just because I noticed that animals, I can empathize with them. They have a spirit, I have a spirit. They have a life force, I have a life force. It's as simple as that. It can be argued whether plants or concrete blocks or sticks, 
since we were talking about sticks before, whether they have spirits or not. But definitely, the human body is animated by some force that was not created by us, and it's not controlled by us either. We came into existence by no actions of our own, and we have no control over it whatsoever. So we can do this by trying a little experiment. It'll take two seconds. So check the artery on your neck and put your hand over the artery and notice your heart pumping. One beat, two beats, three beats. Maybe your heart doesn't beat that fast, I don't know. But notice if you have any control over this process. Do you? Or is it simply happening? We take a lot for granted, but perhaps the biggest thing we take for granted is the fact that our heart has been beating for us since we were in our mother's womb. We got to sleep, wake up, digest, see with our eyes, touch things, use our voices, and move our limbs since we were born. We never had to really control it or even ask for it. Now when the body dies and becomes lifeless, then the spirit disperses. There's no more heartbeat, no more animating force, nothing just happening anymore. No more emotion, ambition, or the ability to do anything at all. The personality, person, ego, or whatever you want to call it is no longer there or present. Well, we're here then, we can try to understand our own spirit and what it means to be alive on this vast earth as individuals and a collective social group. We're intertwined more than we know, and we're in a universe of endless possibilities. If we go back to ancient wisdom, also called Gnosis, starting with a G, G-N-O-S-I-S, I've come to understand and wrap my head around topics that most people that I know normally describe as deep and difficult, but which for me are completely natural subjects and the most fascinating ones. As an avid explorer of my own conscious experience, possibilities, and my ever-expanding awareness, and I mean this quite literally, through both intellectual learning and personal practices like opening myself up in meditation, walking with my eyes open, by the way, and non-dual self-inquiry. Self-inquiry will definitely cover in an upcoming episode and episodes because it's one of my favorite topics. It's my greatest wish that I can share this with you. And this podcast isn't just for me. It's for both of us and it's for everybody. If you're inspired to gain wisdom, not just book knowledge, and learn about yourself, and you want to grow in your general awareness about spiritual topics, then this podcast will be insightful and uplifting for you. The more we know, and the more patient we are with each other, the greater our capacity becomes to show true compassion in a world that seems to have lost the plot. We'll begin to see each other as unique parts of the whole, like w little water droplets of the complete ocean we were never ever separated from to begin with. 
If you've enjoyed this podcast, then follow along on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or have a question I can answer in an upcoming episode, just email curiousbody at zoho.com. Thank you and have a blessed human experience today.